0: I'm going to start off this interview with a bit of a generalization. I'll say that when most of us grow up, we know who our family members are. We know our mom and our dad. If we have siblings, we know them. Most of us are even lucky enough to know our grandparents. And then there are some of us who are adopted. I know that's a bit of a leap. And there are lots of in-between family situations. People that were raised by their grandparents. Maybe they were raised by their friends' families. Families come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and numbers. And being adopted is definitely a unique situation. Now, listeners, I'll say that I am privileged enough to know my entire family. I know that I have the same feet as my dad, the same hair color as my mom, the same shape eyes as my sisters. And what I realized after our interview with Cynthia is that knowing my family and our background is a huge security blanket that I can't imagine being without. In this interview, we talk to Cynthia. who We learn about her struggles with adoption and how she was able to make it through an identity crisis and discover a new meaning for family. Let's meet Cynthia.
1: I was born in Hudson, Massachusetts in 1954. I grew up in a little town called Shrewsbury. When I was adopted, I was about a year old.
0: Cynthia told me that in the same breath that she learned her own name, she learned that she was adopted. So she felt very different from the start, and she wanted a clear answer on why she was put up for adoption.
1: Back in the 50s, adoptions were closed. So there wasn't much conversation in my family about it, and if I asked any questions, I was hushed. It wasn't something to talk
0: about. Cynthia's adopted parents tried their best to provide her with a normal childhood. Gave me braces. They signed her up for Girl Scouts. Piano lessons. But none of these things filled that void that she had or answered the question that she really wanted answered the most.
1: The thing they couldn't provide me was the information on my identity. So I wanted to know what I looked like, who I looked like, and of course, the big question, why did my mother, the person who's supposed to love you and care for you, give me away?
0: Understandably, Cynthia grew really frustrated, and these frustrations began to take a real toll on her.
1: That identity crisis um, manifested itself in lots of different ways. I had really bad self-esteem. I got into drinking and doing drugs pretty young. Um, I didn't fit in anywhere. Now, the other part of the story is that my mother, who adopted me, was very, very strict. She was from Maine and had grown up in Maine, and she was a nurse. And it seemed like whatever was going on, she was about a decade behind really, super old fashioned and very strict. There was no like warmth, or um, I didn't feel safe and comforted and loved.
0: But there was a saving grace.
1: My dad. Was I loved my dad a lot, and he actually did make me feel like I was unconditionally loved. I was his beautiful daughter no matter what. Um, And I've had psychiatrists tell me since then that, thank God I had my dad, because had I not had somebody in my life that gave me that kind of anchor that I would have been, I think they said, schizophrenic or something, you know, some terrible, um, much worse manifestation
0: would have happened. Cynthia's adopted mother died when Cynthia was in her mid-twenties. Shortly after, she gathered the courage to speak with her adopted father about the details of her adoption.
1: I finally got the nerve up to ask my dad. It was one of the hardest things I ever asked anyone. And all it was was five words. Where did you get me? And he said, the Children's Friends Society. I think it was in Worcester. Well, I think you're Greek.
0: So Cynthia goes down to the Children's Friends Society, they do a little bit of research, and they find her mom.
1: I gave them whatever information I needed to. They um, called me a week later, and they said, we found your mother. They told me, we've talked to her, she's agreed to meet you, but only one time. She does not want to have a relationship with you. And that kind of hurt my feelings, but I thought, uh, that's all right, you know, whatever, I'll, you know, on her terms.
0: So she gets in the car, and she heads out of town to meet her biological mother for the first time.
1: She wasn't willing to drive out of town, so I had to meet her in a grocery store parking lot. And I take some flowers, because I think, what should I do? Should I bring her? I took some flowers. And so we meet, and she gets in my car, or I get in hers, whatever, I don't remember. And I give her the flowers, and she gives me a piece of jewelry, gold jewelry. First thing I ask her is, what about my father? And she said, oh, I married him. And I said, does he know that I'm here, that you're meeting me? No, she hadn't told him.
0: Not exactly the answer that she was looking to hear, but Cynthia was happy that she was able to learn more about her parents' background.
1: And the story goes, my mother was 100% Greek, my father 100% Italian, and my Grandmother told my mother, you will not bring an illegitimate child into this house. You must give that baby up for adoption. They got together after they divorced their respective partners, and they got married and lived the rest of their lives together. The first thing that it said to me was that I was created out of love.
0: Shortly after meeting her biological mother, Cynthia was introduced to her father. He apologized upon meeting her, perhaps for putting her up for adoption. But nonetheless, he seemed very happy that they were together now.
1: My birth father, Nifty, he wanted to tell the whole world this was his daughter. And the reason was, is because he never had any other children. He raised her three children from her first marriage. And I was the one that got given away. So he never got any to see his offspring. I was his only one. So he was really excited and wanted to tell everybody. But my mother, Esther, She was, I guess, some important position in the Greek Orthodox Church in town, and she didn't want her church friends to know that she had had this child. So when I got introduced, I'd be Nifty's niece from New Hampshire. That was my, yeah, that's who I was. Yeah, I didn't like that very much. I didn't like, it it almost felt like being rejected all over again.
0: Did
1: you leave? Um, well the easy answer is I got tired of the winters back there. Um, the more complicated it is my I felt like my life wasn't going in a direction I wanted it to.
0: After some time, it became very difficult for Cynthia to balance both families. She felt as if she was juggling loyalties to her adopted father and her biological father. Additionally, she was still suffering from substance abuse and drinking often, remaining habits from her struggle with her identity crisis. Her brother had moved out to the west coast before she did, and he encouraged her to follow. Feeling mentally and emotionally exhausted, Cynthia agreed that it was time for a change. So, she headed to California. So when you moved here, got married, and were starting your family, did you have an idea of how you wanted to raise your kids and like what kind of family you wanted to have after you know, mm-hmm. your childhood and everything that you went through?
1: Well, I for sure knew I wanted them to know more than anything that they were loved, and um, I wanted them to have good self-esteem. And, you know, I have to say that my boys, having my boys was probably as healing as anything in my life, because that was the first time I knew for sure this is my blood. They're my people, you can't tell me they're not. And I felt connected, really connected to them. So
0: in a way, they saved my life. Having children was a healing experience for Cynthia. But when she went through a divorce, she learned that the pains of adoption have the ability to linger on.
1: I actually filed for divorce, but it was it broke my heart. It was one of the hardest things I ever did because having to pull apart all of those um, those little threads between me and him. like It was like cutting these threads in my heart. It was horrible. I don't, I don't do separation well. And that definitely is related to my um, very, very early um, issues. I would say that my Bonding with other people is really difficult, and when it's over, if it has to be over, it is really painful for me. So I'll stay in things, relationships that aren't good for me, longer than I probably should to avoid that. What
0: is your outlook on adoption? like, Would you advise people to adopt?
1: Interesting question, because my first instinct is to say no, but that would be so unfair. Adoption has to happen because there's children that are abandoned. It has to happen, but there has to be an understanding and more education. Yes, we need it to happen, and there's tons of kids in the foster care system that need homes. So, it needs to happen, but it needs to happen with understanding there is there is something different and you have to address it. You can't just sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't happen. I've actually thought about becoming a foster parent and maybe even adopting a child to see if I could provide what that child needs because of my experience. It's been a lifelong um, journey of Learning and, yes, reading about other people's experiences. I have to work really hard to remember that it's not just about blood. It's about relationships and people love each other, not just because they're biologically connected. And get off of that, you know, just leave it alone for a while.
0: To learn more about adoption, Cynthia recommends reading three books. The Primal Wound by Nancy Verrier, Building the Bonds of Attachment by Daniel A. Hughes, and Adoption Healing, A Path to Recovery by Joe Soule. Cynthia's interview was produced by Alessandro Marquez. Music for this interview was performed by George Savidis and arranged by Alessandro and myself. A huge thank you to Cynthia for sharing your story.